Life support is nominal. The oxygen danger indicator level is yellow. Please remember that this is a non-smoking pirate ship. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to GameIndustry.com's The Gin Lounge. I'm John Breeden, your host for this episode of the show and the Chief Lounge Lizard. Today we've got a show that makes me downright giddy because we are talking with the developers of my favorite series of games, Hearts of Iron. So everybody should steal themselves for a pretty good show. We have in the lounge today, all the way from Sweden, we have Johan Andersen. He's the producer of Hearts of Iron 3, a game which is uh, getting to the stores right now, so you should be able to uh, to pick it up anytime now. We also have Chris King. He's the designer of the game. He knows where all the puppet strings go, and I have some really cool questions for him because I want to know how deep the rabbit hole goes. It's a pretty interesting game. And then we have a woman who probably has the coolest job in the world, if you ask me, Anna uh, Drevendell. She's a historical researcher on Hearts of Iron 3, so all the cool stuff that happens in the game happens because she researched it and put it in there. So let's uh, we're going to definitely find out some interesting stories from her as they were making the game. But we want to start with the captain of the ship, Johan. He's the producer of the game. Uh, welcome to the lounge today. Thank you. So exciting time for you all as uh, as Hearts of Iron 3 is uh, is coming out, right? Yeah, it's just a few more weeks and then we'll see how it all goes. <laughs> yeah, it, sh- it should be fun. I know I know there's a lot of World War 2 buffs like myself who are who are definitely looking forward to it. We've we've played Hearts of Iron 2 and and the expansion packs a lot and we're really excited to see what what's in store for us in uh, in Hearts of Iron 3. I mean, the game as it stands now, the Hearts of Iron 2 is extremely tricky. I mean, it's very hard to master the game, but a lot of fun trying and so I'm I'm sure you have some cool surprises for us uh with, with Hearts of Iron 3. So the first thing I wanted to ask you was, uh, I know, well, let's get this out of the way first, because there's been a lot of talk about World War II games, uh, especially even by people that come to the lounge every week and, and hang out with me, just saying that uh, almost too many of them on the market. It's getting saturated with a lot of World War II games. You know, we, we kind of know who won the war at this point. So I just wanted to ask you, starting out, um, why did you choose to uh, make an, another game set in the World War II genre? Well, there's the obvious reason. World War II games. Set. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, but um, there's other reasons as well. I mean, we like our Hearts Iron series because it's like the deepest strategy game. There's like no not really any competition on the grand strategy level, and it, we constantly get like fan mails from people requesting when will the Hot Iron Free come out? Or <laughs> obviously not the, now that we announced the release date, but um, there's been so many people requesting it, and we had so many cool ideas. I think we spent like was it four years ago the first ideas we had for it? Oh wow, you've been working on this one for a long time then. <laughs> yeah. So we've been working that long on the game, and we have so many cool ideas that we put into a game that we're really proud of. Well, I know that I know that I like the game because it's it, like you say, it is one of the only grand strategy type games out there. Most of the World War II games that I play are either shooters or like a tactical type of where you're in charge of a certain battle, but. The Hearts of Iron series, obviously you know this, you, you can play as almost any country that existed at the time, 
and you control every aspect of it, the economy, uh, not, you know, keeping your people happy as well as the, the war side and also diplomacy. So you've done so much with Hearts of Iron 1 and 2. What, what were your goals in making 3? I mean, you said you've been working on it for years. What, what, what were some of the general goals that you said when, when Hearts of Iron 3 comes out, this is what I wanted to see in, in the game? What we wanted to do was to like get a more like different style of gaming in the World War Two. Uh, we wanted to have like unit hierarchies. There was one of the cool ideas we originally had for Archer and Free. Like the first idea was like we want to have like the military representative with proper hierarchies where you can give order at any level. That was like the main goal of the game when we started giving ideas and everything like went out was like designed and developed out of that basic idea that this should be like more realistic mechanics underneath while still being playable. Okay, so so stri- striking that balance. And then uh, of those features, wh- which ones, uh, obviously the community, I've, I've heard you mention the community and people writing to you uh, you know, f- a couple times already, um, even though it's fairly early in the show, so I know you have a robust community that's on your mind. What features do you think that the community are, are going to appreciate the most? Well, that's a tough question. I mean, it, it depends on like which uh, which type of gamers. I think some people are going to really love the AI support control where you can like put parts of the game over to the AI. Some other, like the more hardcore players, they will probably appreciate how our uh, logistics system works, for example, or some other players may actually appreciate our visual feedback in the diplomatic system. Actually, I'm really looking forward to see what the gamers actually going to say about the game when it's out and which feature they like. <laughs> well, that's interesting. I guess you're going to be uh, as surprised as anyone else. Now, this is obviously a huge project. I mean, I mean, Hearts of Iron one and two were, were huge projects. I mean, with anyone who plays the game knows how how big the scope is, and and that just means that it must have been a huge project on your end. And as a producer who's trying to keep you know all your ducks in a row. What what is what, what is the biggest task when when you're trying to coordinate such a big project? Well, it's it's several things that are, are kind of hard, but I think the hardest is to make sure that everyone has the same vision. We've had a lot of discussions like is this going to work out or is this not going to work out? And then like to I am a firm believer that we should communicate inside the team and discuss issues. So but it's always hard to like make sure that the idea that wins through is the actually the best idea. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to actually developing and implementing in the game, I think our biggest challenge has been the AI. We put in so much manpower in developing the AI. We're kind of proud of the result now, but it was a lot of work. So making sure that the countries that are being played by the computer do the smartest things that you think that historically they probably would do. Yeah, and make it also for the player that if you give order to one of your units, that everything beneath it then so behaves realistic and they're actually doing what you tell them to do right well i know that can make or break a- any game now w- would would you say was you said you spent a lot of time working on the ai was that the hardest part of the game and and was there anything that was i mean obviously you have some experience with with making the other games in the hearts of iron series was was the ai that was that the hardest part or was anything harder than you anticipated going into it uh well not harder 
I don't think the AI was harder than anticipating because I knew it was going to be a huge task. I knew it was going to be like a lot of work, but uh, I, I'd still think that the development of the map was actually a lot more work than we anticipated because we just made it so huge. And just naming the amount of promises we had on the map, I think we spent like one month just naming them. Just Anna, how, how much time did you spend there? No idea, too much. <laughs> just Russia, that's, I mean, God. 2,000 cities in Russia alone. Oh, wow. I You know, I didn't even think about that. And then, in, and then I guess you had to look at historical maps too because a lot of the names have changed and a lot of the cities may not exist or have merged together to form new cities and things like that. Yeah, and we had some help from the Beatles too, of course. Mm-hmm. So interesting, interesting. Now, Johan, the um, so so there's a lot to this game. You mentioned the AI and the the beautiful historically accurate maps. So so what what part of the game are you? If 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 I had to pin you down, and and I am, <laughs> what part are you the most proud of? I would say something I did myself. No, that's <laughs> not. Uh, I I really like I like the AI. To be honest, I, I'm really proud of the AI system in the game. Now I've not t- uh, coded a single line on the AI myself, so. <laughs> uh, but I really, I'm really proud of the guys that uh, wrote the AI. Okay. That system that that works really good. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it. Now, here, here's a question I have for you because you uh, are obviously are one of the most luckiest people in the world because you've actually been able to play extensively Hearts of Iron three at this point. Uh, so, so do you actually enjoy playing the game, and what what, it, what do you find the most fun when when you sit down yourself uh, to pl- to play Hearts of Iron three? I'm always getting back to the AI because I like playing big countries. I like playing uh, a lot of stuff, but I don't really want to like give orders to every single little detail. So I like telling like my theater attack this, conquer this, and then I can sit and. Uh, go through the technology and think, should I research more engines for my airplanes or do I want them to have like faster uh, interceptors or fa- or stronger interceptors and so on. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, I, I, I love the, the nuts and bolts of, of the whole Hearts of Iron series. So uh, let's let's switch over to uh, Chris King. So Chris King, you're uh, the designer on, uh, on Hearts of Iron 3. So, so you've all these nuts and bolts that, uh, that I like to play, you, you've, you've put them together. So from your perspective, what is the biggest challenge when you're designing a grand strategy game? I mean, I can't imagine the amount of complexity that you must have to consider when you're putting together a game like Hearts of Iron 3. So, so what is the biggest challenge when you say, okay, I'm going to make a grand strategy game and what, what's the next step? Well, I mean, grand strategy is all about choices, you know, the choices people make. So when you come to this, you've got to, like, start creating your choices. But you, you don't want too many because when, in that situation, you know, each choice gets a bit samey and, you know, you don't feel like it's too different if I take this choice or that choice. So you're trying to set up clear choices with trade-offs, which then, you know, the player's got to think, well, do I want to do this or that? That makes sense. And then... In general, I mean, what what part of the game, since you've seen everything, so what part of the game are you most proud of uh, how how exactly it turned out? Well, I'm going to have to go for the answer, the AI control system as well, because I think that's superb how it's turned out, because um, it gives you like three options, really, or two options to play. One is it can take some of the burden off them, them. you know, they don't have to be in two places at once if, 
if you're playing the USA and you want to focus in on D-Day, mm-hmm. you don't have to neglect the Pacific. You can say, you can take, you know, AI, you take care of the Pacific. I'm doing my landing in Europe and I want to put it all into that. And it also gives you a second play style where you can pretend to be like, you know, Churchill in Downing Street directing his generals about you know, so you can actually get two games for the price of one. Oh wow! Now I know that some of the some of the criticisms from the previous games were that were basically the complexity was one of the best things, but it was also one of the hardest things. And a lot of the the gamers, you know, just loading up Hearts of Iron two and looking at oh my god, look at all these tabs, and I I can do everything. But with that much with that much choice, I guess, also it becomes a little intimidating. So it sounds like with Hearts of Iron 3, you tried to make it so that you could have as much responsibility as you wanted without being overloaded by being able to do everything. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 you know, you, it's your game. You should play it your way. So we tried to, you know, give people choices in how they played the game. You know, you could be the... Um, Going to take, let, let AI handle production and I want to fight the war and not have to worry about these things or say, no, I want AI to take care of the war and I'm going to like handle the production, you know, and you can mix and match according to what you, your, your style. And then as far as, I mean, we are talking about a game, but we're also talking about a game that's extremely historically accurate. How, how do you strike a balance between gameplay and historical accuracy? Because obviously, if everything was completely historically accurate, you wouldn't, um, <laughs> you wouldn't have very much fun because it would be more or less like watching the History Channel. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I agree with that. You know, I mean, obviously, well, if Germany loses every time, <laughs> you know, where is the fun in playing it? So, but at the same time, I mean, you're right. World War Two is the setting, and people want to feel that they are playing World War Two. So, but I don't see it as a you strike the balance. The two complement each other. You know, the gameplay and the, the, the historical background, you know, create the setting for the player to for them to enjoy themselves. Now, you've talked about the different ways that you, you sort of have two games in one. You you can be Churchill and Downing Street, or you can say, you know, you, you handle everything and I'll handle the war. Well, what, what style of play do you think that most of your players are going to are going to gravitate towards? I, I don't actually know the answer to that one. I mean, I've, you know, tested a bit, a bit of this, and I found that, you know, like you could play the same country three times, pursue three different play styles, and get three different games out of it. <laughs> so, you know, I... I I think, you know, I, I think, you know, people will find their own play style that they'll enjoy. And I just hope that, you know, a lot more people will enjoy Hearts of Iron 3 because of the additional play styles. I mean, it's, it's what you strive for in this business, to help people enjoy your games. Right. And I know people do enjoy your games because I see you have a very robust forums over at uh, Paradox where people it's kind of like, you know, if you read the if you read it, there's some advice. And, you know, I played this and I played this, but there's also sort of a lot of bragging and a lot of storytelling. You know, I conquered the world with with three infantry divisions and things like that. And and so uh, how long do you think it will be before we start to see the first persons uh, posting their uh, their their conquests? (laughs) Well, you know, I'd really love to say never. You know, I'd love that, you know, world conquest be one of these goals that people keep aiming for and keep coming short. But, you know, our, our fans tend to be pretty clever people, so I have no doubt someone's going to find a way sooner or later. Just, I just hope it'll take a little while. Right, right. You know, get <laughs> well, I mean, some of, some of the stories that I've read there are, you know, e- even aren't like World Conquest, but they're sort of like vinaigrettes. Like, I mean, I know uh, my my favorite aspect of uh, Hearts of Iron 2 was I-, I sailed a fleet. I was playing the United States at the time, and I sailed a fleet, and Japan uh, came after me with a bunch of destroyers. 
And I ended up beating them, not only beating them, but they actually surrendered to me on the high seas, which is kind of unheard of. And I, I ended up, I was like, whoa, what are these eight Japanese ships that are suddenly in my armada? And they were beat up pretty bad. They were like 30%. So I, I sent them back to San Francisco and repaired them and put them back on the line. They were American ships with Japanese names at that point. So, you know, I, I see people that just have really cool stories that happens in the game. So from your point of view, Chris, uh, do you when you play the game do you have favor a favorite country that you like to play and for someone that is completely behind the scenes and knows basically where all the strings go is it easier for you to play like do you when you play germany do you say okay i can win because i know this event triggers this event triggers this event or or is it just as hard for you to to be able to conquer the world well, yeah, I mean, what we put a lot of work into the interface into Hearts of Iron 3. You no, long, you no longer have to actually look into the event files to find out what's happening. They're actually displayed, you know, to annex, you know, to, to do the Anschluss in Austria, you need these conditions, and then you hit that button. So we've actually tried to remove a lot of that out of the game because we wanted people to be fighting World War Two, you know, not fighting the interface. Wow. So, so, yeah, I wouldn't say, you know, guy behind the scenes gets as, as much advantage these days. The one country I do enjoy playing is Italy because it's... Uh, you know, it's a, it's a fairly small country, so you can keep tabs on everything. So especially when you're testing and trying to decide, you know, is things working, you know, you can see it at a glance. But it's also an interesting country that you can pursue different strategies and see if you can break the game with them. So playing the, the Italy sounds sounds like an interesting an interesting country to try, and I, I know they were sort of a swing country in, in World War II, so there's probably a lot of different ways you can go with them. I, I also know people who play some of the very smaller countries like Luxembourg or even like South Africa, and – you know, from my perspective, I say, well, you didn't really get to do too much in the game, but from their perspective, they like to see what they can do if they can change the world with such limited resources. I mean, do you ever play any of the on any of the tiny sort of minor countries, or do you mostly is Italy pretty much as as far off of center that you like to go? Well, at the moment, yes. You know, I mean, at the moment, also we're doing testing, so you're looking at the countries that really affected World War Two, and so and you want to see what effect they're going to have on the game, so you can fix problems. Maybe you know later on, you know, once the game's out and if everything's running quite smoothly, I might you know take a trip down to South America and see what mischief I can reek down there. <laughs> Oh, cool. Well, cool. Well, I'm glad to see that even somebody who uh, who's who's a designer on the game uh, enjoys uh, experimenting and playing the game. So we we talk to a lot of designers that don't actually enjoy the games that they they work on. It sounds like it sounds like that's not the case with you. That you're a you're a, a big fan of the game, and that's that's cool to see. I'll probably have to take a you know a six month break after after release, you know, because I'm pretty <laughs> getting pretty frazzled at the moment. <laughs> and after that, you know, go back to it and, and have some fun with it. Uh, awesome. Well, I'm good. I'm sure you're, I'm great. you're bet you're looking forward to that. So then uh, let's let's talk with Anna a little bit. So Anna, you're the, a historical researcher on Hearts of Iron Three. Uh, uh, that sounds like the coolest job in the world. How how does one become a historical researcher for for a Hearts of Iron title? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> Perhaps you have to ask Joe on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, su- I assume you uh, you are good at researching and 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 know know your history as well. Um, so, what has been the what has been the 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 most interesting part or the most challenging part of of researching and trying to make Hearts of Iron three you know interesting and fun to play? Um, province names? No. <laughs> <laughs> Probably setting up the scenarios. I think. Mm-hmm. And just you know, dig into all that. 
And I even had some sites in Russian I had to <laughs> try to translate, which actually turned out pretty good. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you, you get into some of the translating too. Wow. Uh, and it, would you say that that's like the most rewarding thing when you actually see the game and you say, you know what, that scenario was mine. I, I looked that up and I set that up. <laughs> yeah, all the details when it comes together, you know, in the end, then you know that everything makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Now, do you do research on just the Hearts of Iron series or do you work on other games as well? Uh, no, it's just been Hearts of Iron this time. Okay. I've been working on EU3 and Roman. So how hard is it to do the, the research? I know you. Uh, I know um, Johan had mentioned the, uh, the the different cities in Russia and, and just trying to do the maps. It sounded like really a lot of legwork getting getting that together. It, it, did you when you came into the project? Did you think it would be as hard as it as it was? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but I have some experience. What do you want to call it from the other game? So right. Now, uh, talking about the other games, actually, uh, are were there any major challenges that you ran into in doing your job for Hearts of Iron 3 that um, were, were different from Hearts of Iron 2? Or I guess the actual question I want to ask is, the uh, obviously the historical events are a major part of the game. Things happen historically. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, it's, it seems it's, it's random, but different things will happen. Are the events in Hearts of Iron 3, are they handled any differently than 2? And most of the major events have been replaced by uh, decisions. So you have, like, the annexation of uh, Austria, for example, will be available for Germany if certain conditions are met. And it's more flexible, I think, than the previous title. Oh, so the player will have more more to do with the historical events as they occur. Yeah, you might not want to trigger that at the exact date. I mean, you could if you want to, but you're not forced to. You could wait another month or just prepare some more think that's needed. Right, or maybe not do it at all. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so uh, so what uh, features do you regard as the most interesting in the game? I assume you've had a little bit of time to play at least some of the betas and so forth. What, what do you what do you like about Hearts of Iron 3 the best? Yeah, I tried to think of something that hasn't been mentioned already. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> I like how the politics system works with uh, all the political parties and that kind of stuff. And also governments in exile, and I think that's a nice addition. Yeah, the governments in exile should be interesting because, I mean, just from uh, – I, I just finished reading the uh, the Library of Congress's History of World War II, uh, which is a, a nice little thousand-page book uh, that, that gives the, the history of the war in pretty pretty in-depth. And the whole governments in exile, you know, that was that was a big deal. And, and so if that's represented in the game, that, that, should be, that should be interesting and fun to play. Yeah. Now the uh, fans, you know, like myself, when when they pick up the game, what what do you hope that when we first see the game and we first start playing, what do you hope that we uh, are going to uh, to be most impressed with? Oh, <laughs> um, oh, that's a tough one. Russian <laughs> yeah, Russian province name. <laughs> Russian <laughs> province names. I'll be sure to uh, to zoom over there and uh, and look at every city. <laughs> yeah, I think you should <laughs> figure them out. Well, well, yeah. well, great. Um, so 
the Hearts of Iron will be out very soon, uh, and, and you can pick that up. Uh, you can pick that up in the store. Um, I, I assume it'll also be over on Gamersgate. Uh, seeing you guys uh, put put a lot of your games up there. So, uh, is there anything that any of any of you uh, want to add uh, as far as if if a Hearts of Iron fan is listening and uh, they're thinking about picking up the game uh, that uh, you you wanna you wanna tell them that they're going to uh, to see when they when they get their hands on it. I'm just gonna scream bye bye bye. No, <laughs> uh, no they they they're gonna be like I don't know. It's it's a really cool game, and I'm uh, really proud of the work that we put into it. So I think the the people that are like thinking should I buy it or should I not buy it, uh, they should try the demo that should be out probably in the same week as uh, the game is out. Oh, okay. So, and and the demo will give them a good idea of uh, of the game. The demo should tell them if like, is this a game for me? Obviously, after they've tried the demo, they're going to be like, oh, this is the coolest thing since sliced bread, and buy it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, and also, we're going to have a uh, we're going to have a review of the game up on uh, GameIndustry.com. We're going to try to have that as close to uh, launch for you guys as possible. And I'll probably be the reviewer since I am the the master of the game. Uh, at least I was. I don't know. You might have some some surprises for me, but I'm really looking forward to the new interface, and uh, it's it sounds like it's it's going to be great, and I I can't wait to see it. So thank you all for uh, coming into the lounge today. We pre- we appreciate it. And for all of our uh, listeners out there, if you'd like to uh, send an email into the lounge, if you have any questions about Hearts of Iron or uh, any any strategy game, really, you can uh, send an email into ginlounge at gameindustry.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you uh, have a have a note or a question for any of our guests, uh, send it to that address, and I'll make sure they get it. Uh, maybe Anna will give you some hints as to how you can become a cool historical researcher too. <laughs> I doubt it, though. I'd keep that secret because that sounds like a really cool job. And uh, for everyone who's listening along, we hope that no matter what games that you play in the in the World War II genre that you have a good time, but we think that you'll have the best time with Grand Strategy. 